0: And uh, I'll be reading the scripture, but we ask that that everyone stand for the reading of God's word once you are ready. So if you're ready to read, if you could please stand as able. And again, uh, John chapter 10, verses 7 through 15. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. So Jesus again said to them, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door.' I am the good shepherd, I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, amen. You may be seated. Well, as we mentioned earlier that uh, we are entering into a new sermon series called Life Period, and so the prologue uh, is today, and we are talking about life, right, but what does that mean? And maybe this just seems obvious, but really there are kind of three different ways that you can talk about life. So one is like the most obvious, right? It's just like your actual breathing and existing, right? Being living as opposed to being dead or you know, being here as to opposed, opposed to not, right? Uh, but then there's another way that we talk about life and um, it is kind of just the everyday stuff of life. So it is existing, but it's like, what do you do from day to day? right? It's the eating and the drinking and the pooping and the sleeping and the going to work and the, the going to school and making friends and, you know, how do you pass the time and all of these ki- kinds of things that go into life. And we are going to be talking a lot about that in terms of how does your faith fit into that? A, a lot of times people tend to uh, uh, sort of dissociate, right, their faith, their, their Christian practice uh, uh, you, you know, if you happen to be a Christ follower, but oftentimes it's like relegated to Sunday, you know, or maybe when you go to small group, or maybe just on those isolated uh, instances where you, you just kind of, you know, really feel like praying or, or you, you just need like a spiritual pick-me-up. But otherwise, we really just don't think about it. You know, we live kind of like practical atheists, as if God wasn't there, freaking out and just, you know, getting excited and chasing all the things that everyone else does, Right? And so we're going to be talking about how do we integrate our faith into life. That's the, I mean, that's why it takes a whole semester, because there are so many different aspects of that, right? But there is a third way, actually, you can talk about life, and it's the subjective quality of it. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, it, it reminds me of one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a little bit old, I, I got to warn you. It came out like either when I was like a senior in high school or a freshman, and I know I might look young. I'm an old man. (laughs) I'm getting up there. But uh, uh, it's called Braveheart. And has anyone seen Braveheart? It's about these, like, Scottish freedom fighters who are just, like, ordinary, like, farmers, and they're not trained soldiers, but they uh, have this uprising against England who's trying to conquer them, and, you know, they're trying to fight for freedom. And so William Wallace, uh, the main character who's played by Mel Gibson here, um, he has this quote that resonated with a lot of people. And, and sometimes you'll hear people quote it, and, and they don't even really know where it comes from. But it's just kind of caught on. This idea that every man dies, but not every man really lives. That's my Scottish accent. It's terrible. I'm really bad at accents, sorry. But uh, every man dies, but not every man really lives. And I know he was talking to a bunch of like, soldiers, men, but you know, everyone dies, but not everyone really lives. So here you see this difference between just existing, right? Like maybe everyone who's breathing, you live in some way, you know, and and you're going to die. But he says not everyone really lives. There's a subjective quality to it, right? What does it mean to live as opposed to just exist? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Is there a difference, right? Is there maybe a better quality of life that we can all have. I think that's what we all want. Why do you go to school? Why do you get a job? Why, why do you try to make friends? Why do you, uh, you know, try to pick up hobbies or you know, find exciting things to do? It's because you want a better quality of life, right? All of us do. And so we're all searching for what Jesus talks about here. And this is this idea, John 10, 10, the second half of it. He says, I came that they may have life And have it abundantly. I came that you may have life, and have it abundantly. Right. So again, we said that life can be thought of in many different ways. So what does it mean that Jesus came to give us life? Now you could think about like eternal life. You could think about you know he he came so that you know we we could know how to live right your day to day existence. But he goes a step further, and this is the third quality of life that we're talking about that they may have it abundantly. What does that mean, abundantly? The Greek word for uh, abundance that's used here, it means more than enough. It's excessive, right? So uh, I think like the the King James Version uh, says, and have it more abundantly. There is this aspect of more. Can you imagine going for a dinner for just two people and this was your spread? Right? That wouldn't just be enough, right? That would be abundant, more than enough. I was in China uh, when I was in college. Um, I did like a study abroad thing there. And when we got there, our host brought us to this restaurant, um, a Chinese restaurant, but in China, they just call it a restaurant, right? <laughs> but uh, they brought us there. And man, just the food was awesome, right? They just kept bringing out dish after dish after dish. And it wasn't like there was no, you know, kung pao shrimp or general Tso's, You know, I didn't know any of the names, but it was fantastic. It was so good, right? And like, like seriously, so much food came out, and I, I was just stuffing myself. I was like, man, this is the best meal I ever had. What I didn't realize is the meal was only halfway over. They kept bringing out food, and and you know, those of us who weren't from China were looking around like, what in the world? How are we supposed to finish this? And what I heard, at least, at least in that region of China, that the custom was to make sure that you just, like if you had guests, like guests of honor, like when you buy food, right, when you order the food, you order double what you think they can finish. Because you don't want there to be any question that they finished the food and, you know, you ask them and they're just being polite and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I had enough. You don't want there to be any question, so you double it right and i was like you know so i grew up my mom almost told me to finish everything i that's in front of me right so i tried i couldn't do it i was like i am going to die right it's too much this is abundance friends this is abundance think about that christ has come to give you life and to give it to you overflowing more than enough excessively right it's like, like just way, 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 way too much, right? Now, I want to show you the opposite of excessive or abundant. It's this. Can you imagine someone treated you to this meal? You came over to someone's house, you're a guest of honor, and you get one saltine cracker on your plate? Be like, I mean, you know, maybe you're good enough friends, you'd be like, what the heck is this, man? Kinda of cheap person are you, right? This is meager, right? This is barely enough, but let's be honest. When you think about the Christian life, when you think about a life of faith, somebody who says like, okay, I don't know, what, what if one of your friends is like, you know what? I'm gonna live my life in a holy way from now on. I'm gonna live everything for God. In your mind, does it look more like this or more like this? More like this or more like this? More like this or more like this? I'll be honest, for most of my life, The Christian life, I thought of the saltine cracker, right? I thought like, okay, you know, yeah, yeah, God provides, right? The the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, they have enough to eat. You know, Solomon in all his splendor wasn't clothed like one of these flowers, but come on, right? I want to live a life that is is rich and full. And sometimes you would think about like monks, St. Francis, who was a rich man, his father was rich, and he renounced his wealth to follow Christ and to become a beggar. And you've ever seen like those brown robes that, that monks wear? They would have a, a, uh, just a string uh, wrapped around their waist. You know why they have a string wrapped around their waist? Because they weren't allowed to wear a, belt, uh, wear a belt. Because belts were for carrying coin persons. And it was a way of saying with that rope, we have nothing. We have absolutely nothing but God, but Christ. A lot of us hear that, right? Or we, we think about like, you know, I don't know, there's these great praise songs we sing where it's like, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. See, it's kind of nasally, right? But <laughs> I live for you alone, right? And we're like, God, I give you everything. And many of us are afraid of that prayer. We're afraid of saying, God, I give you everything. God, have your way in me. Whatever you say goes, I'll follow your will. Because what are you afraid of? Dallas Willard calls it the fear of being sent to Africa, right? (laughs) This fear that you're going to be sent, called to be a missionary in Africa, and we don't want that. We we don't want to be poor, right? We don't want a meager life. But that's not what Jesus is saying, right? When we look at what He's saying, uh, yeah, let's go back. I came that they may have life. They all that come and follow me. All that come through the door, right? We're gonna talk about the door in a moment. But those who come and come into my sheep pen, they're gonna have life, and not just life, but the best life, the best possible life, an overflowing life. Friends, do you believe it? That's kind of one of the questions I wanna leave you with. You know, as you pursue the different things you have in life, in school, do you believe it? If you follow the way of Christ, that you would have an abundant life? Or do you believe, as many people do, that you would be missing out, that God is this cosmic killjoy that's going to tell you, no, that's too fun, you can't do it. Or that's too much, that's too enjoyable. What I see in this, God is a God of much. He's not a meager God. He's not a poor God. He's an abundant God. He wants to give you abundant life. But we need to flesh that out a little bit because I I understand that maybe some of you are having kind of this cognitive dissonance where there's a little bit of a disconnect between what you understand of Christianity, what the world has told you about following Christ, and even some of the things you've seen and what Jesus is literally saying here, that you can have life overflowing, right? And so let's take a look at uh, some of the other scriptures here. So it says, Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So friends, uh, what you see here is, uh, this is a, a old-fashioned sheep pen. This is the kind of sheep pen that, that uh, a, a lot of people believe that you would have found in uh, first century Palestine, where, where Jesus, this is his context, Right? And so we think about sheep pens as like, you know, either a wooden or metal like fence, right? But they would have made it like this. And so it's almost like a little stone fortress, like a little castle, isn't it? And there would only be one opening, right? Now for some of us, we're like, I don't know about that. If I went in there, it would be a little claustrophobic, right? And, and Jesus is saying, I am the door. I'm the way in. You got to come through me. But once you get in, right, everyone who would have heard Jesus talking in this way, talking about the door of the sheep, and you're gonna be able to go out to pasture, it is this idea that you're gonna be enclosed. How does that make you feel? Again, I know that a lot of times in the world, we think about the restrictions, right? We think about Christianity as a set of rules, right? what we do and what we don't do. But remember what Jesus is talking about here. He is talking about life. Why is this a good deal for the sheep? Why? Because the sheep had lots of predators, right? There would be wolves. There would be people who would want to steal the sheep away and take it for themselves or to shear the sheep or kill the sheep and eat the sheep, right? But when you come into the sheep pen, Man, you are in a fortress. You are in a castle, right? What do we know about the sheep that go into this pen? It's not so much a restriction, but they get to live. Not only did they get to live, but they get to go out to pasture, right? They made sure to put the sheep pen in a place where there would be plenty of grass, plenty of things to eat, right? It's a good place, and they are completely protected, Right? And so Jesus is literally trying to give us life, right? Because the truth is that there are threats. uh, Jesus says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I want to share a, a spiritual truth with you that's not really in fashion anymore. It's not something we talk about. But it's a reality in scripture, and you can't deny it, that there is an enemy, right? I think most of us know that we live in a dangerous world, right? And just a moment ago, I talked about this idea that even for Christians, people who go to church and maybe grew up in the church, still many of us day to day live as functional atheists. What does that mean? To live as if there is no God, to have the same fears, as someone who believes that there is no God. You know what I mean? It's like this idea of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. What happens if, right, like fill in the blank. What happens if there's an even worse coronavirus, right? It's not the Delta variant. It's the Omega variant. Oh, and there is no cure. There is no vaccine. What do we do? What if everything gets shut down again? What if my business shuts down? What if I get fired? Right? What what, what if I fail that test? Right? It's the what if question. And how do you answer that? For many of us, we just see like a deep, dark void. We're like, it's just me. Right? I'm alone. And if one of these things happens, if the bottom falls out, guess what? I fall. And I get a lot of broken bones. And I get really messed up. That's the way we operate in this world. That's why people are scared all the time, right? We live in an atmosphere of fear. We live in a kingdom of fear. We have a low level of it all the time. We call it anxiety. That's what anxiety is. It is unspecified fear. And you are swimming in it all of the time. For many of us, this has been my experience. From the moment that I would wake up, I would feel that low level thrum of anxiety and fear. And oftentimes the first thing I would look at in the morning, I look at my phone and like, oh my gosh, what went wrong while I was sleeping? Oh my gosh, Afghanistan is burning. It's terrible. Oh my gosh, COVID is on the rise again. Oh my gosh, this or that. And it's just everywhere, this fear that we have. What is Jesus saying? You come into my sheep pen and you're in a fortress you are safe. Now, I wanna be clear about this. Jesus isn't telling people to go run away from reality, to quit their jobs, to quit their families, right? What he's talking about is a metaphor, but it is also a lived reality for those of us who live in the kingdom of God. He's like, if you come to me, if you come through me, the door, you're gonna to get to be in my sheep pen. This is what we call the kingdom of God. This is life with Christ. And in this life, you're safe, and you get to thrive. You guys remember Psalm 23? It's one of the most famous scriptures, right? The Lord is my what? Shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He lets me walk beside the still waters, Right? Now, Dallas Willard, when he talks about this passage, he's like, what sheep can lay down in a green pasture? You know what sheep can lay down in a green pasture? A sheep that's full. Otherwise, the sheep's like, right? What sheep can just walk beside the still waters, just chilling? It's a sheep that's not thirsty. I shall not want. I'm provided for. I have everything that I need. And this is the messed up thing about people who are hungry in this world, in a dangerous world. You know what happens to your appetite? When, when, when you're, you're under fear and stress, has, has this ever happened to you? Right, because like seriously think about it. If you think that there's a lion right there it's about to devour you, or there's a thief or a robber and they've got a gun pointed at you, you ain't thinking about food, right? You lose your appetite. You ever been so stressed out you can't eat? We've all been there, right? Can I hear an amen? Yeah, you've been there. Have you been there? Yeah, I believe. <laughs> you've been there, right? Now, so if you've been there before, then you know what it's like. But this is the thing. You're still starving. And this is what it's like to live in this world of fear. We're all hungry. We're starving. We need to fill our bellies, but we can't. And so you've got these sheep that are scrawny, and they're shaking. And they're like, where's the wolf? Where's the wolf? Where's the wolf? Now, for some of us, we're like, that looks like freedom. But when Jesus is talking about that, he's like, that's not freedom. That's death. This is abundant life. And if it's not death, it's a meager kind of existence. Some of us, that's all we know. But we're afraid all of the time. We're anxious all of the time. But what Jesus is saying is, come to me. Come and live in my sheep pen, and you will be protected. You don't need to be afraid anymore, and you're going to have all you want to eat and more, right? That's what he's talking about when it comes to abundant life, right? Now, friends, um, (laughs) I I just want to say, like, you know, so it talks about, like, the other people that come into the sheep pen or the other people who are trying to lure the sheep away. They're thieves and robbers. They don't have your best interests in mind, right? And all of the other things that we go to for life never deliver. And oftentimes, they want something from you, right? Even something as simple as money. You're like, well, what does money want from me? What does capitalism want from me? You're just another cog in the machine, man. You're just another consumer, right? That's what they want from you. They want you to spend, (laughs) right? They want to get your money. They want you to believe that money is the most important thing. I'm not saying money isn't important. It's not God. And capitalism is definitely not the way of the sheep pen. It's just not. You know what I mean? But a lot of us, we hear these kinds of things and, and like, you know, we we don't really believe it. You know, I've preached many, many messages where I talk about, like, I, I mean, you know, I bring out all the research and they talk about how, like, lottery winners. Um, like a year after winning the lottery, are no happier than the average person. It's kind of a shocking study because everything we have been told, everything we believe in in this capitalist society is the opposite. We always think there's one thing we need. If I had that money, if I had that job, if I had that girlfriend, if I had that thing, I'm going to have abundant life. But you get the thing, and it's never enough. You need more. It never fills the void. Um, There's this comedian, um, Neil Brennan, and he was one of the writers on the Chappelle Show, really funny guy. Um, He was on a podcast called The Hilarious World of Depression. I I love that title for a podcast. That's awesome. But he, he said this. He say, I say this all the time, but everyone says money won't bring you happiness. People hear that and they go, well, let's see. Everyone to a person says, well, I may be different. Let me try. But I've had conversations with the biggest movie stars in the world, and they've come to the exact same conclusion. Friends, I have a question for you. If you have been going to other things for life, how is that working out for you? Is it giving you what you want, or are you believing the lie? It's just because I haven't gotten it enough. You know, I got a little bit of money, but it's not enough, you know? But friends, money is money, and a lot of it doesn't make you exponentially more happy. It does for a little bit. Don't get me wrong, but not abundantly. Maybe meagerly, a little bit for a day, but not in any kind of lasting way, right? That's just one example of the many things we can turn to. This this isn't a message about money, but it's a message about really where are you going for life, right? And so, friends, if Jesus is the answer, if Jesus is the door to an abundant life, then why aren't we going to him, right? That's my question, right? It, it, so, you know, it, it's not to say that the other things aren't more important, but what a lot of us do is we put Jesus on the back burner. It's like, if I have enough time, right? So if I have everything else figured out, right? If I have my school figured out, you know, and I got all my homework done, and, and I feel completely prepared for the test, how many times does that happen, <laughs> you know, or if, 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 if everything in my life is going fine, then I will follow Christ, right? Does this sound familiar for some of us? It, it's like an extracurricular, right? Like, like the cherry on top. It's, 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 it's something that is not absolutely necessary, but it's kind of a nice to, not need to. And one of the biggest problems in life that we have is we actually don't think we need God. We don't think we need a life of faith. We don't think we need a community of Christ, right? And so, you know, as we begin a new school year, I I just, you know, want you to maybe ask that question of yourself. Where are your priorities? Where are you going to find life? Have you made your pursuit of a, a, a life of Christ, following Christ? Is that a priority for you, you know? Yes, other stuff is important. But is this a priority? Um, so, friends, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, a, a lot of us, we try these other things, and, you know, how is it working out for you? It's like the guy hitting his head. That's, that's what that was supposed to be for. Um, but, friends, you know, the, the way that this passage ends is Jesus is not just talking about um, a life of what comes into the sheep pen, but he th- talks about himself as the good shepherd. It's not just a life that God is offering you. He is offering you him. Jesus is life. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So there's a question out there. How do we know that we can trust God? How can we know that we can trust Jesus? There are many, many people who are offering you life. Hey, if you do this, you will be happy. If you do this, you will be fulfilled. Why should we believe Jesus above the others? And Jesus' answer is because I'm laying down my life for you, right? No strings attached. We have a really hard time with this, friends, because so much of our lives is transactional, right? Someone tries to give you something good, right? This past week, um, over the, the pandemic, I had bought, like, a digital projector, and the company that I bought the projector from was like, hey, good news, We have a new projector and we're gonna give it to you free of charge. And all you have to do is test it and write a review and it's yours, free of charge. Even if you don't like it, you can keep the projector. So what did I do? I was like, here's all my information. Give me the projector. I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it as long as there are no strings attached. I give you no money, you just give me the projector. And they said, well, The thing is, you gotta buy the projector first and then we'll give you your money back. I'm like, nope, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) not gonna fall for that, right? A lot of us, we have our BS detectors up all the time. You wanna give me something free? You wanna give me something good? You're offering me some life? What's the catch, right? You should ask that, (laughs) right? But when it comes to Jesus, Jesus is like, no, I'm, I'm giving you my life. I'm the one paying the cost, right? It's like, I don't know, if somebody like, just sent the projector to me, right? And was like, all you got to do is open your door and just bring the projector into your house, right? No one ever does that, right? There's, a, there's always some kind of strain. you know? Or even worse in some ways. I mean, I, I don't know if it's worse, friends, but maybe there's people who offer you life you know, maybe you've even tried to find it in, like, relationships and things like that. You know, love, right? It's this wonderful thing that, that does make life worth living in some ways. But have you ever seen, like, when trouble comes? And, and you know, maybe there's trouble in that person's life or maybe, I don't know, maybe you're troubled. You like, like you, you act up. Then all of a sudden, that person that was everything to you just drops you. And they're like, yeah, I'm out of here. I can't handle this. What Jesus has promised to us is he will never do that. Why did Jesus die for us? I I know this is Sunday school, right? But seriously, think about it for a second. Why did Jesus die for you? For your sin. Jesus didn't die for neutral people. Jesus didn't die for good people. Jesus died for sinful people. So let me get this straight. This means that when I screwed up, God's love actually essentially increased for me. This is such a mind-blowing concept that Paul needs to untangle it. And Paul is like, wait, wait, wait. Does this mean that if I sin more, then I'll get more grace? He's like, no, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. Don't sin more. That's not good, right? But if you understand that, friends, you understand how radical this is how much this does not make sense. In this world, it's either tit for tat, I give you something, you give me something. Or I did something to deserve it. If I'm good enough, then I get the life. Right? If I work hard enough, then I get the life. But Jesus is just offering it for free. And he's offering it to the most screwed up people. To people who wrecked their life. To people who've made every mistake. He says, I am laying down my life for you. It's mind-blowing. But in some ways, it is God's way of showing us, demonstrating to us, my son truly is a good shepherd. This truly is the best possible life. So friends, I, I don't, have you ever had like friends like, I don't know, this is like kind of like, I, I call it kind of like middle school friendships. Where it's like, you're all just trying to impress each other, and and you you just kind of have this image. and like, oh yeah, yeah, you like that music? I like that music too. Oh, you have that style? I have that style too. Oh yeah, you talk like this? I talk like that too. And you're just so afraid of being found out. You're so afraid of making a mistake where they're going to be like, you're not for real. You don't really like our music. You don't really talk like us. And just, boom, they kick you out. You're always afraid of making that mistake. Jesus is the opposite, friends. Make every mistake. I still lay my down, life down for you. You make every mistake, and you still can come in. The only condition is just come in. Right? That's the condition, is come to me. It doesn't get better than that. That is the invitation to life. Will you come to me? Will you invite me in? right? Because, I mean, come on. You can't have a relationship unless you want it unless you're willing to be friends with someone, right? You can't be in a place unless you go to the place, right? You can't get in the sheep pen unless you walk through the door, and Jesus is the door, and Jesus is a good shepherd. He says, you're all welcome, right? I, I want to ask the, the, the praise team to come up. Friends, I, I just want to uh, take a moment and you know, just ask you, Do you feel like you've taken that that invitation to walk through the door of the sheep pen? Or are there some reservations you have? Are you like a sheep that's kind of like, oh, I wanted to end on this picture as I'm talking. Um, So the good shepherd, right? And so he's the door. And he's the one who's blocking the way of all of the things that would come and harm you. By the way, like sin, right? He died for your sin. He's the one absorbing all the blows. When the wolves try to come in, Jesus' body is blocking them. Right? But, friends, when you think about this, this life in the sheep pen, are you like kind of like one foot in, one foot out? It's like, oh, I just kind of don't want to be caged in. You know, Jesus, I, I, I like the invitation, but, you know, I just, just want to have freedom. What, what is holding you back, friends? That would be my question. What's holding you back? Just take a moment. If, if, if this is what you want, maybe you've said it before. Maybe you, you you have affirmed and this has been your decision. I want to live in the sheep pen. I want this abundant overflowing life. And I believe wholeheartedly I can have that in Christ. But maybe some of you feel like you've been disqualified. Whatever it is, there's something keeping you on the outside. What is that, friends? You know, if you just want to close your eyes for a second, I just want to speak to you from the heart of Christ. I believe that God is saying to us today, "I love you. It is good in here. You are safe in here. There is plenty to eat in here. There is abundance of life. You have no idea how good." But I want you to come in and find Friends, however you feel led, I want to invite you to pray. You know, maybe you can just say, yes, Lord, I love you. Maybe you don't know what that means yet, but you just want to answer it that call and say, Yes, Lord, I want your life. I want to live in the sheep. I want to live with you. I want to find out that you are a vichead. And if there's something holding you back, that's okay, friends. Be honest about what is for Precious God, we are reminded that your Son laid down his life for us. That we can come into the sheep pen, that we could be protected, that we can have abundant life. There is nothing that separates us. Our own willingness. So, God, I pray for anyone who's listening, anyone, anyone who is hungry, anyone who is really wanting this abundant life. Take answer that call, to say yes, to come in, to find out how good it truly is. God, we thank you for pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's why it's you.